Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new Redefining Technology podcast. Standing on two feet, having dexterous hands, developing a language that allows us to communicate, and the ability to understand abstract concepts. These are all part of the equation of humanity. Still, it is the capacity to create tools and advance the technology that has allowed us to thrive on this planet and maybe on others. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. On. I'm exhausted. Take a break. Take a nap. <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, I'm so interested. Every, but every time I look at something and inspect something, I uncover new things. I'm always learning and, and figuring out how something's working. And it, 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 there's so much. I, I get exhausted sometimes. So you're hacking stuff. That's what you're saying. I'm hacking stuff. So what, what inspired you, you to That's do all that. you do with living life. You're trying to figure out a way forward. <laughs> You're well, hacking not, your way around the world. Not everybody does that. And we, we have learned that in, too many, in so many different podcasts talking about society and how many times we're just like, hey, that's new. That's cool. You know, I like to say blinking lights, I think is my signature <laughs> uh, thing when I refer to technology that appeals. And we're like, all right, I'll buy it. I'll use it. And I'm not going to think about it. But while it may be cool for certain things, there are other aspects of our life when it comes to either privacy, you know, talking about smart home, IoT, and many other situations, smart cars, all of that, that maybe you do need to know what you're working with. And there is one field that is even more important, I think. And Sean, and it, you... it directly touches on safety. But when you said smart cars, I'm, I'm just thinking, well, what if your car becomes your uh, your traveling ICU? That would be kind of kind of scary. But uh, no, we're we're, we're <laughs> that's talking. That's an idea. That's an idea. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking healthcare systems, devices, flows, data, all the stuff that that we rely upon to stay healthy. And uh, I was joking a little bit that. I get exhausted exploring and investigating because I'm curious, but we need that, especially oh, yeah. in this, in this space. And, uh, I'm, I believe we have somebody who's like hyper curious <laughs> in this space. I don't want to put words in his mouth where I'm going to, I want to hear from him. What drives him to spend time in the world of healthcare? And, I, and I'm curious to know how curious is he? <laughs> so let, let's find out. 
Jeremy, it's great to have you on. Uh, take take a quick moment. Who who are you, <laughs> and what are you what are you up to? Sure. Uh, so my name is Jeremy Richards. I'm a chief architect at Scope Security, and I've been doing some uh, research on clinical devices. Just uh, listening to you guys talk about you know what what drives the research, what 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 makes you tick. Um, it definitely for me started with kind of just the the addiction to the these aha moments, uh, you know, solving pu puzzles, not not really having a complete picture and kind of working your way through until you get that complete picture. Um, so, uh, I, I guess two, two minutes or a minute about me, um, uh, I come from a background of reverse engineering. Um, so at, in my early teens, that was reverse engineering video games. Um, and, uh, early in my security career, it was reverse engineering, uh, security patches. Um, and I, I guess I continued that trend in my career and, and leveraging, uh, machine learning, uh, and, and sorry, reverse engineering the whole way through. Um, uh, taking apart malware was the next thing, uh, which, which led me to machine learning. Um, and so, so, uh, about seven years ago, I, I got really interested in medical devices. Um, I, I was doing firmware analysis and taking apart firmware of all devices. Um, and then I came across a device on eBay, um, that, uh, kind of spoke to me because I had just recently been hooked up to one. It was a drug infusion pump and uh, ma manufactured by a, a company called Hospera. And, um, you know, I, I had just been hooked up to it. And now I see it on eBay and I see a, an Ethernet port jack in the back. And it was reasonably priced. So I decided I needed to check it out. And uh, that's what I did. I, I you know, I, I purchased it and and got it home and, and did a, some analysis on it. And ended up finding some vulnerabilities in it. Um, so th that was about seven years ago. And I've got to say, I've learned quite a bit about uh, clinical device security and, and the landscape since. Um, I definitely started with um, the, the, the research coming from a, you know, the security researcher point of view and completely blind of the uh, challenges faced by healthcare delivery organizations and by device manufacturers, because they do face very real challenges. Um, so I was completely blind to that in the beginning, and I, I think I'm starting to get a handle on that now as well. Yeah, I love it. Thanks, Jeremy. And uh, uh, maybe if you can, for the audience that's listening that has no idea what reverse engineering is, because, mm -hmm. I mean, what, I mean, something gets built it's engineered and it works. Why, why do we need to reverse engineer it? Um, well, to, un to understand how it works. Um, so uh, a, a lot of these devices are, let's, let's say they're, they're past their prime. They're running on uh, operating systems that are no longer supported and uh, originally programmed by uh, people that may not uh, be in the industry anymore. Um, they operate on a network, um, and and you know they they, they use uh, communication protocols on the network to move data, patient data, um, you know, vital uh, clinical data in some cases, um, and you know, understanding how how this works um, is is you know critical for security. And you know, um, what I what I would like to add and ask you about this is the fact that 
many people, when they they think about technology and they see an approval, in particular, if it comes from FDA, we, we say, all right, that's cool. It's been approved, super safe, <laughs> shielded. But the thing about technology is that it keeps evolving. So what it may have been the best thing two days ago, 10 years ago, it's not the best thing maybe today, not going to be tomorrow. And in this case, may not be safe because we found somebody, maybe the bad guys, found a way to get through it. Or maybe it was just something that, of course, we don't know how to, I mean, we're human. We make mistakes, right? So I want to highlight the importance of what you do and other researchers like you, like hackers, that hack stuff just to figure it out, can I make it better? So, and I was interested in that, to, to know how you jump from reversing video games to to these. What, what was that aha moment there that make you change your mind on this? Um, so uh, I guess... As time goes on, uh, you know, th there's there's a bit of uh, maturity that comes with age. Um, I, I think th there was, though, a big leap. Um, I spent a significant amount of time reverse engineering malware. And that leads to identifying and being able to track the infrastructure of the malware authors. And um, over time... I would say I became a bit disillusioned with uh, the security industry and the, the, the whole thing, finding spies, spying on spies. It just all became quite a bit sad uh, or, or qu quite sad and, and a bit much. Um, and I decided that I wanted to um, do something good, you know, um, uh, use the security knowledge and the reverse engineering for something that that has uh, some some pretty direct um, positive impact. So that, that, that was the driver between, uh, switching roles from malware reversing and, and, um, tracking threat actors and, um, APT threats. Yeah. No, no better industry to apply that to than the healthcare sector. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a frustratingly misunderstood and underserved sector. Uh, you, you've got, this device that maybe it costs the HDO $11 million and it, it can um, give early warnings on whether or not a patient has cancer and it can do that 150 times a day. And half of those people, you'll save their lives, but it's running Windows XP. So, I mean, are you, are you stupid for keeping that on your network? Because the, the, um, the arrogant security researcher or, you know, vulnerability assessment guy in me originally said that, like, that's ridiculous. Get that thing off the network. But. But then half of those people right. don't get identified. Yeah. Yeah. So. so talk, talk to me a bit about the, the ecosystem. because, well, And maybe we get to the device. Because Marco mentioned the FDA gets approved. It's, quote unquote, safe. Um, that takes a lot of time, which is probably, um, I presume, why this is still running XP. It was approved with XP, can't go off XP. Yeah. Maybe let's talk about that, and then I want to get into the, the bigger in infrastructure picture. Sure. So from a device manufacturer point of view, you've got this, you've got some science that uh, leads into the development of some instrument. 
that can um, perform some kind of clinical task. And then you have to you have to have a computer that can operate that instrument, and it needs to be able to interact with other computers on your network to move that data into a clinical workflow so that it can do something useful, right? So it has to be, it has to be connected. Um, that whole development life cycle can take two or three years. FDA, and, and then you apply. So you've got the, then you lock down your configuration and you say, you know, this is how it's set up. Um, these are the, like, this is, this is, this is, the machine and you you submit that um to the to the fda and you're kind of you're locked into that kind of configuration once you've 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 um got your your compliance or or you know once you've been approved it's the equivalent of a clinical trial for that machine right i'm right this is, i've gone through the trial this is what i'm submitting uh, exactly and and as marco brought up this is security is a moving target um, and so if you're getting certified with this four-year-old operating system, um, and that's brand new, right? It, it hits the shelves and is a four-year-old operating system. The HDO, the healthcare delivery organization is expecting a certain amount of lifespan out of that device, right? So, so you've just got this, this massive amount of time that, that the device is, is supposed to be um, secure for, and there's really no other, no other industry where that's the, the expectation. Um, especially when you, when you consider the other components of the threat landscape. So these clinical devices, they sit in a patient's room. Um, and if you look at the manuals for, for these, like this patient monitor that is supposed to be in every patient room and you read the manual, it says, that the hospital's responsible for securing the RJ45 jacks, the network jacks, and all of the USB ports on the back of the device. And by the way, you can't install malware. And by the way, you're, you're responsible for every device connected to the same LAN segment as this thing because it can't have a firewall. It can't have AV. It can't have any of the uh, traditional IT controls on it either. And is that because they weren't, I'll say through the clinical trial with those things in place, or is it because they, those require updates, which then take it out of compliance? What's the reason that it can't have some of those protections we would normally put around devices? Yeah, yeah that's a f f fair question, but, um, and, and you kind of alluded to the answer there. Um, every now and then Microsoft will release a patch that blue screens a box. You know, if you, if you think back five years, I bet you can think of an instance where there were certain configurations of an operating system that just completely um, got hosed due to uh, a Windows update. And the same thing can be said for antivirus updates. I can specifically think of uh, a couple uh, incidents over the last couple of years that caused the, the device to completely freeze. Um, so th that's... And, and that's the challenge of having this device in a in a clinical setting and having untested updates get applied to it. Well, you never know where to draw the line between what saved life and what could actually affect life. So, what's your security level of? You know, how, what doesn't make you feel secure, and what what is the risk level that you that you want to take? Um, we got in touch. 
uh, with you through one of the um, security event called Sector. And uh, tell us a little bit more specific about what you're presenting to, to this event and what is the latest project that you've been working on? Sure. So uh, I definitely wanted to uh, start the talk with exactly what we just chatted about. So that was, uh, that was nice. But Perfect. The, I knew yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the specific vulnerabilities, uh, we took a look at two um, different devices. Uh, the first is a patient monitor. Um, so that is uh, a device, a screen with an embedded computer. And there are, uh, cl there's clinical devices that connect to it. So something that is monitoring, say, your heart rate and your blood pressure. And these devices uh, take readings and they feed them into a monitor. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned, this monitor is a computer. And uh, so I, again, purchased this device uh, off of eBay and, and was excited when it came to start taking it uh, apart uh, and and you know uh, f figure out how to um, how to compromise it, see what vulnerabilities uh, were in it. Um, and I I had a great story I, that um, that I that I wanted to tell, and I wanted it to be the truth. Uh, but I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you guys the truth. Um, I got so excited that I I put the thing on the floor and I plugged it in, and it started up and it showed me the Windows XP logo. Um, and after uh, finishing booting, um, it sat there at a screen saying no devices connected. And my original plan was to take this Raspberry Pi uh, and install an image called Pwn P4WN P1. And this thing lets you pretend to be a whole bunch of different USB devices. So you, you plug it in and it pretends to be a keyboard, it pretends to be a mouse, uh, a USB drive with files on it, or a USB network card. And it can pretend to be all of these things to the operating system. So the idea here was to collect a lot of kiosk escapes, uh, key combinations and things to try and monitor it visually uh, to, to find out which one worked. Um, and I did actually, in the end, end up implementing this to automate the attack. But uh, the truth is, I plugged in a keyboard and started hitting buttons as soon as the thing was uh, finished booting up. And a menu popped up with four options that said, close light step, recycle light step, run, and shut down Windows. So I drilled into that run uh, and, you know, was able to launch CMD, which launched a, a, a DOS command box. And uh, from there, I just um, implemented the attack in the, the Pwn P1 attack tool. So I created a Metasploit uh, framework binary that uh, created a reverse shell whenever it was run. And I put that file on the virtual drive that was emulated and wrote all of the scripts required to send the key combinations to do the kiosk escape and run that DOS command box and then switch to the USB drive and run the malware. So that was the kind of the uh, initial compromise. I thought I would have to maybe open the machine up and take its hard drive out and, and do some, uh, some things that way to get accounts. But it, it, it turns out that a, a kiosk escape was, was all I really needed. 
Well, the first question that comes to mind, well, I have many, many questions, but the first one that I'll, I'll probe into is why you and not the manufacturer? Um, well, I, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I suppose you, you would expect uh, a lot of this type of work to be done before the device was released. I expect that it, it just wasn't um, something that the device manufacturer considered. Um, yeah, I'm going to let you off there. It wasn't, wasn't meant to be a, a hard question, <laughs> yeah. Sarah, but I guess it point, what, I, what I'm really pointing to is this, this is important. And I'm not saying any manufacturer is bad. Um, you just said they probably didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. And I guess my real point is we need, whether you work for the manufacturer or not, we need people like you who know this, who think like this, who take the time to do this so that we can hopefully find the holes that, that exist that could be exploited. But you know, Sean, can I can yeah. I add something? Because I, yeah. I, of course, I know you, so I knew where you were going with that, with that question. <laughs> but you know, there's also what I said at the beginning, where you really just can't cover everything, right? I mean, it's so complex. You also, I think, it's important that external, third party, different brains come in. And this is the the hacking researcher ecosystem, the, the crowd, right, that is out there doing the right thing and not hacking as a bad thing, but hacking as a good thing. Because you, you can look at something from a completely different perspective that maybe the engineer that created this is not thinking about that. And I'm, I'm saying this because I really appreciate what people like Jeremy are doing for, for our society, for a better technology. Yeah, I, I agree. And to really shed light on what you're talking about, Marco, maybe Jeremy, you can shed some light. I don't know if it's covered in, in your presentation or beyond, but that's one device. It wasn't connected to a hospital network that could have many things pretending to be <laughs> that, that uh, keyboard uh, emulator. Mm -hmm. So how, how does that then translate into I mean, if you own that device, perhaps a bigger picture story. I don't know if you want to kind of touch on the bigger ecosystem. Yeah. So, so from from the manual, um, we we see that the the network, I guess, that this thing is is connected to. Um, it's it's expected to be isolated. So. Uh, let me just read two two of the the comments from the security recommendations from the manual. I promise I won't sit and read an entire manual, but physical security of the patient monitor is recommended and is the responsibility of the operating organization. Physical security of oh sorry um, company name uh, recommends that the operating organization restrict physical access to unused Ethernet ports. And uh, same uh, for um, unused USB and serial ports. Um, so this is a device that that uh, sits in every patient room, um, and these these this LAN segment is an RJ45 jack on the top, 
of everybody's bedside. And these things aren't always plugged in if you're in a recovery room. So it's it's not just that um, you know these devices are 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 vulnerable. It's that they they are exposed on this network uh, that that anyone in the hospital has access to. So that that part of the the ecosystem that that part of um, that understanding doesn't seem to trickle down to the device manufacturers. So they put this kind of um, verbiage in their in their manuals, but that's not something that's possible to do. You know what I mean? Like uh, we've we have observed patient visitors arrive with their laptops and try to get internet access because the Wi-Fi was out by plugging into these networks. And that's the reality of of um, of the exposure and the threat landscape of these um, devices. Hmm. So, given that this is something that I don't know if we ever will be able to avoid completely. Like I go back to the the complexity, right? I mean, all you just said. You know, it makes me think when I go to the doctor office, and I don't see that anymore. But I used to see passwords stuck, you know, with the tape near there. I'm like, hmm, okay. Uh, that's just a, that's just hope that nobody's gonna yeah. gonna want to go in there. But this said, what do you think that? And I'm not gonna have you lose your job because you're passionate about it. But and I always think that the researchers are always gonna be needed. He wants me to lose my job. I want you to use, yeah, Sean, no, no more podcasts like this. <laughs> we'll have plenty. But my point is, and we've gone there before, but I would love your opinion. Regulations versus the market. Compliance versus a better technology, a safer technology by design, right? Safety versus saving people with health solutions. Right. What's your feeling about this? Where are we going with this? Well, there's there there is improvement, vast improvement in the delivery of healthcare by connecting devices. It's it's undeniable that even something as simple as uh, intake, where you have clinical devices that are are taking readings, like taking your temperature um, and doing your weight and and inputting those directly into the EHR uh, instead of a human doing it reduces errors. And in a clinical setting, errors can kill people. So reducing errors is something that you want to do, right? And so there are all these opportunities to, to reduce error. Um, and that's not going away. That genie's not going back in the bottle. We're going to continue going down that that path, um, and we have started to see um, Im- improvement in clinical devices. There's no question about that, and the, the security of cl- clinical devices. Uh, it used to be that you could remote into these machines without passwords, and that's new devices. It's not like that. So, um, you know, we've we've made some improvements uh, along the way, and it. It is getting better. Um, it is getting be- somewhat better. Um, 
the thing is we're also uh, opening up APIs at a, an accelerated rate as well, right? Um, with the, um, the health record portability um, that's that's uh, now been mandated, and the you know the requirement for a healthcare delivery organization to allow you to move your health records and get access to your own health records, um, I I see that coming down the pipe, um, and that's what's that's the thing that's worrying me the most. To be completely honest, is this uh, this new API access into EHR records that it, that's 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 opening wide and quickly. Yeah, and as you were describing that, and I was thinking everything's embedded these days as well. And I thought, what, what an opportunity to get this right. I mean, it, when, we, we can, when we can isolate access and data elements uh, through services and not have it just be a big blob on a big thing connected to a bigger thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's an opportunity there. Does technology actually help us? Do you think? Absolutely. Is it going to be a a challenge first? Um, Why not both? So uh, I I think the answer is both. All right. So I'm I'm destined to continue to be exhausted as I look at stuff. (laughs) As I joked about in the beginning. Possibly, but I'll be right there with you. I love it. We, we, We need we need you to be there. I think in the end, Sean, it, that's the thing if to say. If you if you stop, you're gone. You're lost. We can never stop to yeah. do this. And 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 I think for me, the the key of this is so many times when we talk with with hackers and researchers is to highlight again the importance of what is done, and to remember honestly that every breakthrough inventors from the past always been about people that didn't didn't take what it was given to them and say, okay, somebody did it right. They all look into it, see if there was a problem, find a way to make it better. So for me, it's it's an appreciation and and, and, and a way to connect technology and humanity in, in terms of finally doing a technology that is really going to serve us. So yeah. for me, these are important story, and I want to thank Jeremy for sharing this with us. Yeah, yeah. I... I uh... I echo that sentiment, Marco and uh, Jeremy. I want to thank you as well. And for those listening, uh, there will be links uh, certainly to the Sector uh, presentation. Uh, so you can watch that uh, live and on demand, I, I presume both, depending on when you listen to this and when it gets, uh, when it gets delivered. Um, yeah, I mean, I- important stuff and certainly an important sector. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful when I when I hear there are people looking after the safety of these devices that ultimately will help myself and my loved ones uh, be safer and healthier as well. I, uh, I feel privileged to be able to spend the time doing it. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, love, I love talking about it. Um, so th- th- thanks for, for uh, having me on and, and giving me an opportunity to speak. Appreciate it. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. 
Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Technology Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.